Welcome to another edition of Speak Your Mind Radio in conjunction with the Missing and Abducted Radio Show. Tonight I am proud to announce that my friend Justin Harvey <coughs> has been inducted into, or excuse me, nominated for the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame in 2015. And this is for his unwavering devotion to, to promoting to all of the martial arts and supporting its beliefs and values by doing his radio show. And tonight he is joins us for uh, an hour, to, and you will hear his two interviews that he had just recently done with uh, Cynthia Rothrock and Don the Dragon Wilson. Hey, how you doing, Justin? I'm doing wonderful, David. It's been a long time since we've been on air together, and I want to mention to your, um, your following here that I am also uh, one of the presidents of the missing and abducted. Yes, yes, you are. Yes, he is. He has been uh, with us now for over two years. He works very hard uh, at what he does in helping raise awareness to the missing and abducted in human trafficking. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, what we're going to be listening to, because I'm going to take a little bit of a break here just to get some things going in here. Uh, and uh, he's going to be talking about his career and uh, how he. Um, got this massive part, podcaster got started in radio, uh, and here is a clip from uh, a shout out of, from a uh, radio station where he actually started out in. It, uh, is that Beckley, West Virginia? Uh, yeah, yes, sir. It's uh, Beckley, West Virginia. Um, they they actually the uh, that one station um, is owned by a company, and they actually own all the stations but one in my area, actually, which is pretty cool. Well, cool. All right, well, we're going to take a, like I say, we're going to take a little break. We're going to go ahead and listen to that, listen to that shout-out, and then we'll explain everything about Justin Harvey and how he actually got a little bit started in the radio, and then we'll come back with him. Music 103 CIR 103 CIR.com, brand new from Mr. Probs. It's called Waves. What? I just, you know, Mr. Mr. Jock Itch. <laughs> I mean, you know, Mr. Mr. Probs. Probs. Yeah, I got me some Probs. I'm, I need a name. I got Probs. I mean, Mr. Probs. Yeah. yeah. Probs. Hey, Problems. Mr. Back Pain. <laughs> Mr. Sad. Mr. Bipolar. It's uh, called Waves. Jurly Show with Rick and Lola. Issues. Mr. Issues. There you go. Good morning, everybody. And good morning. We have some sunshine right now. We are at 53 degrees in Uptown Beckley going for a high today around 68. Not too bad. Not too shabby. It's the early show with Rick and Lola. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. Time to do a little shout out. We're very proud of someone, uh, a good friend of ours. And uh, we, need to, we, need to, we need to recognize. We're going to recognize a gentleman by the name of Justin Harvey. A lot of people know Justin. Justin's very, very well known. Uh, goes by the name of Jay Ray. Everybody knows? Mm -hmm. So if you don't, you're thinking, Justin Harvey, I know that name. Jay Ray. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about Jay Ray. I first met Jay Ray about 10 years ago. Right. He loves radio. Just loves radio. There are things that are you know, very passionate about things, but two of the things he's most passionate about, radio, not necessarily music even. You know, he loves right. music, but he loves radio and martial arts. 
Now, Jay Ray uh, was born with cerebral palsy. Uh, he was confined to a wheelchair. When they brought him up to the radio station, we did, we did, we did, uh, they pr- pretty much had to carry him up. It was, uh, and uh, you know, we we got to uh, he and myself and Brian Reznor spent spent the entire day with him. He and Brian are still very close to this day. And uh, Jay Ray, um, you know, one one of the things you got to know about Jay Ray, if you tell him, you know, that's probably something you're not going to be able to do. You can't do. He's he's going to do it. Right. You know? So so you know, he wanted to do a radio show. So so he did it. He's got his own internet radio show, and on that radio show, he spends a lot of time talking to uh, talking about martial arts. It's one of his passions. Um, I, I tell you what, I'm going to read this post from Facebook. I, I'll just do that, okay? Okay. And this is from Master Summers. All right. It says I'm proud to announce I nominated Justin Harvey for the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame tonight. That nomination was granted for his wow. unwavering demo- devotion to promoting the all, of the all of martial arts and supporting its beliefs and values by doing his radio show. I am proud to announce Justin Harvey will be inducted into the, 20, the class of 2015 Indianapolis, Indiana in April. Justin Harvey is going to be in the United States of America Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Kind of, he's from Shady Spring. Get from Way Shady to go, Spring. Jay Ray. So uh, we're very proud of you, man. Uh, shout out to you. We're really, really proud of you. Uh, you know, you, uh, you, you, with the obstacles. I mean, this is the guy's got some obstacles, and he just fights right through them every single time. Every single time. Every single time. So Jay Ray, we love you, He's man. We're proud of Way you. Way to go, man. Very and, uh, proud of you. Way to really go. Recognize. So if you know Jay Ray, or if you follow him on Facebook. Send him, uh, send him some good wishes. I mean, he, he's uh, you know very proud of what what he's accomplished, and uh, obviously we're not the only ones. So uh, he's going to be recognized in the 2015 United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Way to good go, deal. man! Very right. proud of you. Way to go. 8:40 on the early show with Rick and Lola. Good morning, everybody. 103 CIR Community Connection. Hi, I'm John Walsh, and I just want to take a moment when you're at dinner with your family this holiday season, to look around the table and be thankful for the children celebrating with you. Because there are so many families across America who will have an empty seat this holiday. They're the families of missing children. Now I know firsthand the pain a parent feels when a child is missing at a celebration. And I know that pain is especially gut-wrenching at the holidays. When my six-year-old son Adam was kidnapped and murdered in 1981, My wife, Ravey, and I were heartbroken and devastated, but we knew we had to do something so other families would not go through the nightmare we were living. Along with some amazing support, we started the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in 1984. We're so proud of the work that's been done for children, and we couldn't have done it without you. It's people just like you who are passionate about keeping kids safe who are critical to our mission and make the National Center's work possible. You help reunite families. You fund our child safety and prevention programs. And you support our work with law enforcement to help put the bad guys behind bars. That's why I'm asking you to make a donation right now to the National Center. Together, we can give families hope. Hope that they'll never spend another holiday without their missing child. Be as generous as you can, and thank you for all that you do. Have a great holiday. Big trouble in Little China. Hi, this is Grandmaster Eric Lee. You're listening to Justin Harvey. You can feel the wind is rising, baby. Now the truth is here. 
And welcome back. And we are going to be going ahead, and we're going to go ahead. And Justin, I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor, and go ahead and tell our listeners and followers uh, how you got started out in radio. So you want to know the very beginning story, correct, David Lovett? Yes, the very beginning. <laughs> okay. Well, I was actually, I was actually at the time, I was a senior in high school, which was like ten years ago. Well, I've always been uh, fascinated with, you know, radio and um, being on air. And uh, I actually, um, I was sitting on the phone with a friend of mine um, one day, and I decided to come up with my very own um, DJ name, which I used to go, which I still use to this day with some people. Um, I came up with the name DJ J. Ray, and actually what I did was I took the first letter of my name, and then uh, my middle name is Ray, and I'm very uh, very proud of that middle name because uh, that's the same middle name that my grandfather uh, had, and, and uh, believe me, I went through a whole list of stupid names that I could come up with, and then I was like, wait a minute, let's try this, and then I was like, J-Ray, and then it just kind of, it just kind of caught on, and I, um, I would call the radio station, win something every 30 days, and it got to the point where, uh, they quit asking me my address to send me my prices and stuff, they're like, we know where you're at, we know where you live. So I'm like, okay, well, career day came, and uh, one of the guest speakers uh, was one of my heroes in the radio business, Brian wow. Reznor, and that's sort of how it, you know, all came to play. Oh, so cool. I basically put, uh, I basically told them that, you know, here I am, I'm interested in the business, and I'm not going away. So. Okay. Okay. And you know, so, and um, from from that. Okay. So when when you um were on the uh, uh show with uh, Brian Reznor, uh, or on there on the radio, uh, was at that time was you doing a martial arts show, or was it like like the lower and riser show? Uh, it was. I wasn't doing martial arts at the time. I wasn't doing a online radio show at the time. Like I said, David, I was just you know a senior, a senior in uh, in high school, you know, finishing and getting my diploma, and I um, graduated with honors and everything. And um, you know, they they could tell that uh, I had passion for the business, but at the same time, uh, you know, I don't think that they, uh, and this is not a stab at them. But I don't think that they wanted to hire me at the time. And um, I don't think some of them thought that I could do it. And, um, you know, I was determined uh, to have a radio show one way or another. And so what I did was when I got hooked up to the Internet, I'd say probably 2005 or 2006, I first started... Um, J. Ray Radio, as it was called at the time, 
I started it um, on Blog Talk Radio, and believe me, some of my first shows really, really, really sucked. But um, you know, I uh, I played I played with the format a little bit, and then I was limited to recording time, so I had to figure out ways to get around that and find you know find different um, revenues that will host my stuff for free and um, now uh, nowadays my show is the Justin Harvey show which is you know completely doing extremely well now I mean because I'm getting international stars now so that kind of gives you a brief you know I don't know if this answers your question or not David but kind of gives you a brief um, description of the work that I've had to put in to do this. Yes, yes. Um, and um, can you let the audience know some of the biggest names that you have interviewed? Um, you know, because it's not only not only uh, martial arts. I mean, you you've interviewed. I mean, you've interviewed the actors in the martial arts in the movies, but there's also um, people that you have. Uh, um, interviewed that um, are in like the music business. Has uh, there been any other people that besides the um, actors in these movies that you have interviewed um, done? That that is a very that is a very um, good question, David. Um, I believe I believe the first um, celebrity actor that I interviewed was uh, Tony Luke Jr who actually has his own, you know, uh, Philly cheesesteak franchise called uh, Tony Luke's. But uh, the first the first, um, the first, first big band that I ever um, interviewed was Stan Bush. They, um, they have recorded songs for the movie uh, Bloodsport and Kickboxer. But not only that, uh, the lead singer of Stan Bush is still recording songs to this day because they had a release of the um, Transformers movie um, a couple years ago, and uh, Stan Bush did a uh, did did a song or two in, in in that film. But you know they've they even though they're like an '80s band, they're still going strong. So yeah. Yes, they are. And uh, there was there was another show that is actually on. Um, is it the food? No, not the Food Network. Uh, that Tony um, Luke Jr. that is uh, easily doing. It's like a competition, uh, just like almost like Hell's Kitchen. Oh, um, uh, you're talking about Frankenfood on yes. Spike TV. They actually a couple months ago, they actually they uh, finished season one. I, I can't clarify that there's going to be a season two, but you know I hope that they actually release season one on iTunes because I would love to have a copy of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I know I, I've watched the uh, first few shows. Um, you know when I've when I did have that channel, uh, and uh, I, I do hope it stays on because, like I say, when I get back to getting and upgrading my cable service, uh, and I'll look forward to watching. The episodes, and it would be great to have them on iTunes, so the ones that I did miss, I can actually listen to. Yeah, I think I missed the uh, season finale, but it might still be on the DVR. I, I don't know. I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to check. 
um, on that as well because I'm dying to see the last episode. I've seen them all except the last one that they did, and and regardless of what people might think, I I thought that um, Franken Food was a huge success, and um, you know Tony was actually only supposed to be on one episode, and he was perceived so well by the audience and you know the testers and stuff that you know saw the stuff and uh, they decided to keep him the whole season so no oh, cool cool um, is there anything else that you would um, like to add or uh, anything else that I have missed well actually uh, one of my biggest interviews um, that's online right now is um Ernie Reyes Jr. from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, yes. Back, you know, back in the um, back in the nineties, you know, and uh, I, I want to give you, I want to give your audience a glimpse of uh, 2015 um, possibility. I'm actually working on trying to get Cynthia Rothrock and Don the Dragon Wilson on at the same time promoting the martial arts kid that's actually coming out sometime in January. So I think that's gonna be I think that's gonna be huge. Very huge. Yes. Yes, yes, because I've actually seen the trailer for the martial art kid and it it's definitely uh, very interesting and I'm I'm definitely gonna get that on D V D or at least get out if I can get to the movies to see it when it comes out. Um, and now it's actually coming out um, in two thousand fifteen. Do you know uh, if it's coming out in the summer or the fall? Uh, I believe it's coming out in January, I believe. January. Oh cool, so that's just next month. Yeah. I believe, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take a friend of mine and I'm gonna go to the movies and see it and try to get a picture. Uh, you know, uh, standing beside the poster, and I'm gonna, uh, you know, send it to Dawn and 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 Cynthia. I think they would um, both appreciate it. Yes, and um, uh, well, you you are going to be hearing an interview that was done uh, with uh, Dawn the Dragon Wilson back in when was that, Justin? Oh Lord, it was it was several months ago, David. I mean, yeah. I could look on my phone, but it would take forever to get. Oh. To <laughs> yeah, I know. And Cynthia Rothbach was just just recently actually um, on our on our YouTube channel. You can uh, watch that interview too. But you can also listen to uh, Justin on iPadio, iTunes, uh, uh, and also on TalkShoe and on uh, TuneIn Radio. Also, just type in the Justin Harvey. Uh, the just it's the Justin Harvey show, correct? Yes, and it's all one word, lowercase. Yep, you know, all one word, lowercase. Yep. Um, now I know that I mean people. I mean that uh, are listening and and uh, actually see this on Facebook when we share this when we get done. Um, some of them might not know who some of these names are that you have interviewed. Like, um, say for example. Um, uh, the Cody, uh, your Jeff Mead, excuse me, the Jeff Mead interview, which you uh, recently, just this month, uh, got done interviewing, and also um, Master Todd Summers, the one who actually in, um, nominated you for the 2015 uh, USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Okay, uh, which which one do you want me to start with, Dave? Um, um, go ahead if you want, whichever you want. Well, uh, Jeff Mead. He's actually um, 
he he is a wonderful guy. Okay, um, you can actually look him up on uh, Internet Movie Database. He he has been in a lot of different um, TV series like um, Charmed, Malcolm in the Middle. Um, let's see, he's uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer the series, but he was also uh, in this will be this will go great with my next point. He will also he was also in um, Kickboxer Five. He play he helped um, the main character in the film, so that was one of Jeff's biggest roles was uh, Kickboxer Five, which I found to be very interesting because uh, your listeners may not know, but uh, I've almost interviewed the whole cast of the movie Kickboxer. Yes, it was uh, everybody except one person, which you have been trying to really get, and hopefully um, we c- you can get that um, within hopefully in 2015. That that that's that's uh, that's my goal for the year. I mean, you know, because that to me that would be a huge win. That would be a huge podcast because I mean, John Claude Van Damme's career is just. Phenomenal. Yes, yes, and um, I did like, uh, and I, you know, I say I, I enjoyed the the movie Bloodsport uh, when he played in that, and also um, the other movie there that he had, um, uh, Kickbox. Excuse me, <laughs> we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Dave. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Now, um, yeah. Now, uh, Todd Summers. Uh, how did you actually? Because I know you've been a long time friend uh, with him. Um, when did you? What was the your what, when you first met him? How long ago was that? And what was? Um, how did you feel about meeting uh, Master Todd Summers? Because he's he has his own uh, his own uh, martial arts studio. Oh wow, that's a good question, Dave. I'll try to answer it um, completely correctly here. Yep. Um, if my memory serves me correctly, I actually probably met Master Summers back in 2010, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was through YouTube because at the time, if you remember, I had quit putting my shows on Log Talk Radio because yep. of restrictions and. Uh, I started uh, uploading them to YouTube, which was not a good, uh, which it was a good revenue to do that, but it was it was really time consuming to do that. Um, so I, I think what happened was um, uh, Master Summers actually found me through YouTube, and then ended up finding me on Facebook, and we just kind of like really hit it off as friends because like um, even though Master Summers really loves martial arts like I do he also loved like professional wrestling and and all this other stuff and you know and I think that he could tell the passion that I have for the martial arts and my radio show and um, I believe the reason I was nominated is because uh, Master Summers is really you know, really been paying attention, to, paying attention to my show. He's even, 
you know, help me get guests and stuff because he uh, he told me about Jeff Mead and um, he actually got me uh, Superfoot Bill Wallace on the show. Mm. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, okay, uh, I can't think of any more questions because you pretty much covered everything. Um, I know that uh, we've been we've only had like 24 minutes of the show and we had scheduled an hour for this. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? I mean, I know you've done work with us, um, and you have actually done the interview with uh, Glendine Grant, uh, the mother of missing Jesse Foster, who was a human tra uh, sex human trafficking victim and has been missing for over six years now. And uh, um, so, when you uh, when you did that interview, mm -hmm. uh, I know it was really good. People can hear on our on our. Uh, YouTube channel, and that's at the Missing and Inducted Radio Show. Uh, when um, I know that uh, I haven't heard much from her, and I know that there's been some things that she has been posting. Uh, I know, and and there's some people there in your area, or uh, in the around in uh, close to the Shady Springs area, or in that vicinity of New Jersey. Um, mm -hmm. I know that you are uh, looking to. Um, I mean, get. You know, get in your show because it has become very popular. And I know that we have discussed a lot of things about actually raising, going out there, and uh, with you and raising some awareness to some of the missing um, out there that mm -hmm. and, uh, you know that have been missing for for a while. Um, in your community, my question is: it, Shady Springs. I mean, is mm -hmm. that a uh, what's I mean a, a community, a big community, small community? Well, where I live, it's a very small community because you got to understand, I live out in the country. I don't live, like, in a big city, mm -hmm. like, per se, what you might be used to. I'm, like, I'm like where there's, like, fishing and and hunting and, and woods and, and stuff like that. So it might be difficult to do something, but it could probably be done. Okay. And that's what... Um Justin is working towards to is um, actually setting up uh, in his area a um, not, not a community uh, of the community to try to get more people to raise the awareness to the cases that are there in New Jersey and I'm, I mean uh, West Virginia, Virginia. And, yeah from West Virginia on up to New Jersey so uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add uh yeah, Dave. Um, uh, I, I will say this, and Dave knows what I'm talking about. I actually um, took it upon myself to spend a little bit of my money that has come out of my pocket for an investment for the show for next year. And I, I think the audience is really going to be impressed with this investment that I have, mm -hmm. have made, and it's going to add more flavor to the show. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, okay. Well, we want. I'm going to go ahead because we have this um, two interviews that you're going to be listening to is about an hour and a half long, and we have scheduled the the uh, show for like two hours. So I'm going to go ahead. If you don't have anything else, Justin, to add. Well, one thing that I want to add because I'm going to save this for last, David. I'm going to put you on the spot tonight, brother. And here's how I'm going to put you on the spot. You ready for this, ladies and gentlemen? David Levitt, 
What is yep. your favorite Justin Harvey radio show and why? Say that again. You skipped out again. Okay. Uh, what What is your favorite Justin Harvey uh, radio show and why? What's your favorite? What's your favorite episode? What's my favorite episode? Yeah. It, my favorite episode would have been the Cynthia Rothrock interview. Wow. And, and why is because, um, I mean, well, I've I've seen you know Don Wilson in, in the movies and and I've never I've seen I've seen her. It's uh, from watching on YouTube. I've seen you know some of her trailers in the movies, but I've actually really never did get a chance to see all of her movies that she's done. So, and okay. that's and that's why I like that interview because sitting there listening to it, she she met she did a lot. She there was a lot mentioned in there, especially uh-huh. the work that she did with Don Wilson. Awesome, and I wanted to also mention real quick that uh, uh, you're going to be hearing Don Wilson here in just a second, ladies and gentlemen. But I've already booked James Wilson, uh, the brother of uh, Don the Dragon Wilson, who was in uh, Don's corner when. Uh, on fought professionally, so that that'll that interview will come um, in uh, 2015. So yeah, there's a few interviews that are actually lined up for 2015, yeah. uh, but we don't want to uh, we don't want to actually put it out there right yet as who it's going to be. Um, it's all going to be a surprise. Listen, you can listen to Justin Harvey on YouTube at the Justin Harvey Justin Ray Harvey Show. You can also see on iPad on on iPadio.com, TalkShoe.com. Uh, you also have on iTunes uh, on iTunes and uh, iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And uh, you know, in closing, David, I want to say, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to your fans and your following, and also to my fans and my following of the Justin Harvey show. So, Merry Christmas and be safe. Yes, definitely. And again, Merry Christmas from from the Missing and Abducted Radio Show and Speaking Mind Radio. So, uh, everybody, sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy these two interviews. Hi, I'm Cynthia Rothrock, the Lady Dragon, and you're listening to Justin Harvey on the Justin Harvey Show. Hi, I'm Don the Dragon Wilson, also known as Jake Ray from Blood Fist, and you're listening to Justin Harvey. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Justin Harvey Show. We have a very, very special show today. I am proud to bring the debut of one of the greatest world champions of all time, Dawn the Dragon Wilson. Welcome to the show, Dawn. Hi, Justin. It's good to be here, and I appreciate you letting me speak to your viewers. And, and, and I appreciate you being on the show, Dawn, because honestly, Dawn, like like I was telling you on the phone the other day, I've wanted to do this for many, many years because after I, I had saw the film Blood Fist, I had to talk with you. Well, that was a long time ago, Justin, because I, we shot Blood Fist. I remember leaving L.A. in October of 88. Yeah, mm-hmm. October of 88, and it came out in 89, so 
man, you waited a long time for to get me on your show. <laughs> oh, a- absolutely, and from from the bottom of my heart, Don, I appreciate your time because I know that you're a, a very busy man. Because when we were talking, you were telling me that you're involved in so many projects and um and so many things and. You have your own movie company, correct? Yes. Well, I'm starting, you know, I I have started movie companies just not here for other people, and Mm -hmm. I work for their companies. But in other words, you know, the first film they made would have been one of my films. And they went on to become successful film production companies. But this is the first time I actually own part of the company myself. Mm-hmm. And it's called New Arc Entertainment. And what gave me the confidence to do it on my own, to have my own company, was uh, one of the partners. There's three partners. One is a music producer, producer uh, Les Pierce. He's a Grammy Award-winning producer in music. Mm-hmm. The other is a guy named Sid Sham, who is a uh, – I've met him as an actor, but actually he is a real estate investor from Texas, Dallas. Wow. And uh, he basically, I guess he's made enough money in real estate now. He's had one big apartment complex in downtown Dallas to sell, and he just recently sold it. And now he wants to, uh, I guess, you know, some people think that the movie business is just exciting and fun. And for him, he says, well, this is like his retirement. He's just going to help me run the company. So anyway, uh, this time it's, it's like a friendship thing. This is a good friend of mine, and and he introduced me to Les Pierce, the music producer, and, and he's become a friend. And so uh, the three of us are going to get together and uh, produce movies. <laughs> wow, that that that's amazing, Don. I mean, honestly, you you do so much, and um, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but have you have you done any type of um, charity work for sick children or disabled children or? Um, like actually, I, you know what? I, I've done things for athletes and entertainers for children, and mm-hmm. uh, I believe they donate money to various different things uh, because it's a program where you know anybody who's a sports star of any it, it, or even actors. It, it's mm-hmm. called Athletes and Entertainers for Children, and then basically I, I've gone and supported their events. Uh, other than that, you know, if people approach me, um, I get involved in um, the, the various charities. I, of course, you know, I there's a a lot of charities that are not necessarily uh, as legitimate as they should be. Mm-hmm. So I do check them out before I put my name and, you know, support them. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, um, I'm i willing to, you know, get involved in that. I, I think the most recent thing I got involved with is autism. Mm-hmm. I, I have two friends that have children that are autistic, and they kind of, showed me that, you know, some of the statistics and how serious the problem is. And so I said, oh, absolutely. I'll, sounds like, you know, they need to get attention to this. Uh, you know, they've got to get, uh, first, they've got to get attention to a cause. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, people don't even know, like like me. I was ignorant to the fact that autism is like an epidemic. Wow. They, they, they don't know what the cause of it is, but mm-hmm. there, there used to be like one in, in, in like uh, a thousand kids were born with any form of autism. Now mm-hmm. the number is way up there. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. So, uh, yes, yeah, something. It, well, that, that leads them to believe there's something in the environment causing it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, it, it is not a inherited genetic thing. It is something in the environment. Wow. Well, that, that, we that, don't know what it is yet, so it's kind yeah. of scary, you know. I mean, maybe it could, it's going to even get worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the way it's looking, going, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, uh, you know, I, anytime a celebrity can use mm-hmm. his 
quote, celebrity status to bring attention, and uh, retention leads to money. You know, once people realize that there's a problem and realize the scope of it, then they donate money. Well, that 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 is the best use of your celebrity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to, like mm-hmm. Sean Penn, when he goes to, um, you know, some disaster hurricane, mm-hmm. you know, to Trinidad or something, he mm-hmm. he brings, uh, or Haiti, yeah, it was Haiti, I think he he went to, but um, or Brad Pitt goes to New Orleans. Uh, when a famous person puts their name behind a cause of some kind, it helps get publicity, and publicity then in turn can generate money for the charity. Mm-hmm. That's the goal, anyway. That's the hope. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. No, I mean, no. And also, a lot of people may not realize this, but um, you were also in um, Batman Forever. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, and that, that was, jump- you know, it shows you, um, Justin, how Hollywood works. A lot, a, lot, mm-hmm. a lot of people thought, well, how did you go to do Batman? I mean, that's not the kind of role you would audition for. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not positive, but I think Joe Schumacher just wrote that role for me because it was exactly what I asked him. He asked me what I could do on the movie. He wanted me to work three months on the movie uh, as Tommy Lee Jones' henchman. But I had contracts with other film companies, and I could not work for three months on Batman Forever. So... He said, well, what can you do? And I told him I could come in and do one fight scene and mm-hmm. then leave. And I said, if, and I would like to be disguised. I wouldn't really want my face to be seen getting beat up by Batman or Robin. <laughs> and he goes, okay. So a couple of weeks later, he calls up, and, and I go over to his office at Warner Brothers, and he shows me the scene. And I said, yeah, I can do this, Joel, no problem. And we shook mm-hmm. on it, and I came in, and I did the scene. And, um, you know, it only took a, a week to shoot. But, um, you know, they spent quite a bit on it. It was a, it was a pretty... You know, it, mm-hmm. it was a, a lot more. There were fifty stunt people. Now, when they edited it, they edited it down so it only looked like eight. But actually, it was uh, you know a much bigger scene originally, mm-hmm. and then it was just edited down to what what you saw in the film. Well, that that's amazing, Don. And and also like with with Blood Fist, I'm gonna go ahead and jump into this because Blood Fist, to my knowledge, is like. It is not only one of the best movies, but uh, one of the longest franchises in history, because there's like... Oh, yeah. Well, there's actually nine of them. Now, I start in eight, and the mm-hmm. ninth one, they, when they sent me the script, um, I, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about Roger Corman. That guy is my godfather. I wouldn't even be in the film as it was for Roger Corman. But mm-hmm. he sent me a script I thought was not appropriate for me <laughs> uh, for, for various reasons. And, and so I, I uh, passed on Blood Fist 9, the ninth one. And uh-huh. a, an actor named Matt Mullins ended up doing it. And, you know, I've never seen it, but I've seen little clips of it. It looks like it was a fun movie. But um, mm-hmm. it, it, I just remember at the time he sent me the script, I I did not like the script. And I that's why I did not do Blood Fist 9. But I did do eight of them. And, and you are correct. I don't believe there's ever in martial arts movies been eight mm-hmm. sequels for for one franchise. That's the longest. Exactly, and you you almost did all of them, Don. I mean, because well, a lot of the of times <laughs> I did the first eight. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times they usually don't get the same actor or martial artist to play to play the role. So. Um, yeah, what usually happens. Um, is the actors will do the role, but they they know that they're needed, and they demand more money than the producers want to pay. So mm-hmm. what ends up happening is they'll do a sequel, and they'll use a different actor. 
Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the the one... Well, I think Keanu Reeves got $30 million to do um, Matrix 2 and 3, because they shot them both at the same time. Wow. Because uh, he knew they needed him for those sequels, right? I mean, he was a star of The Matrix, the first one. And mm-hmm. uh, what ended up happening, though, is he took the $30 million they gave him as a salary, and he gave it away. He gave it to the uh, special effects team. It was about 22 people in the special effects team. They got the $30 million. And he kept his percentage of the movie because mm-hmm. he also owned what they call a back-end deal. He owned a piece of the movie, a percentage of it. And that ended up being more than $30 million. I don't know how much, but <laughs> it ended up being a lot of money. Well, um, yeah. now, did so you have... Really gave away 30, you know, and, and how many people give away $30 million? You know, <laughs> that, that, That's true. Now, did you have any idea that Blood Fist was going to be such a... You know, oh, no. success? No, I had no idea. Look, I came out here in 1985, and it was on the advice of Chuck Norris, who had been a friend of mine since, mm-hmm. uh, well, since the early 80s, since 1980. Uh, Chuck was going to my fights. He was announcing them. I mean, we were friends, and he was he was a big, you know, supporter of me, me as mm-hmm. a kickboxer. And he was doing movies at the time. And, you know, Chuck's the only movie star, TV star, that really was a fighter. Yeah, Van Damme. I mean, you know, I mean, he did compete, but he was not a champion. We wouldn't know Van Damme's name or Jackie Chan's or Jet Li's or Seagal if they did not do movies. But mm-hmm. Chuck Norris was famous as a martial artist way before he ever did any dialogue in a movie. Yeah, because he was, you know, one of the best, if not the best, of his era. And mm-hmm. um, he made the transition to entertainment, and he suggested that I do it. So in '84, I retired from kickboxing. I fought Jean-Yves Terrio in Montreal took that mm-hmm. money, came out to L.A. in 85 and started my acting career. Mm-hmm. And people said, well, yeah, but you had a lot of fights after 84. And I said, yeah, what happens is you come out here and you're not starred in movies and I ran out of money. Mm-hmm. So I went back to fighting. I ended up fighting an additional number of years until 1990. And then uh, by then I was doing movies and I had, you know, I was financially secure and there was nothing left for me to accomplish as a fighter. I was a basically a world champion, and all I would be doing is maintaining my title, correct? I mean, there's no title mm-hmm. after a world championship. Mm-hmm. There were no goals except, you know, keep the title another year. So I'd defend it, and then, you know, um, and then another year would come, and I'd have to defend it again. And I don't know, it, by 1990, it got to the point where I said, you know what, kickboxing has become an expensive hobby. Because mm-hmm. the time I spend training for a fight, I'm losing money not doing a movie. And um, what ended up happening, though, in 1998, I, uh, I was offered so much money to come out of retirement. And it, it, was, it was my highest purse, and I believe to this day the highest purse ever paid in a kickboxing match. Mm-hmm. I was paid that uh, up front by viewer's choice just to sign the contract. And um, so I came out of retirement. I had three more fights. But, you know, I mean, I mean I'm not at the age where you can have another secondary career. Yeah. You know, my last fight was 2002, and I believe I was 48 then. So, wow. you can do the math. I'm 59 this year. This year I'll be 60. I'm still well, getting offered for fighting. Matter of fact, I right. signed to fight last year in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Of course, it wow. was not going to be a the top caliber fighter. I was going to fight. You know, I told him I have to do like Foreman. If I'm going to come out of retirement, I can't fight the world champion. I've got to have some tune-up fights. Yeah. So I did take a tune-up fight. It was going to happen in September. But I think the promoters did not have the money to pay for me, and they mm-hmm. end up using a different main event. That's, But, you know, it shows you how crazy I am, Justin. I, I'm, I was 59 years old, and I was still signing for fights. Wow. You must be in great condition, Dawn. I mean, honestly, and 
I, I gotta make a comment too. Like, I agree with you on the on the Van Damme thing because, like, he is an actor, but he's never, you know, he's never been in any real fights. You know, I mean, uh, well, listen, he's not. He's never been in um, a professional kickboxing match, a world title kick, kickboxing match. I mean, we fight twelve rounds. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he never had a, a single twelve round fight. I guarantee you. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, when he came out to Hollywood, of course, he lied and said he was a world champion kickboxer. But there is one thing about what he says that is true. Mm-hmm. He is undefeated. Because when you've never had a fight, you don't have any losses. If you, I, I, I challenge anybody to go on YouTube and find one 12-round fight with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wouldn't there be some? I mean, if he's a world champion and he's undefeated, he's defended his title, and he became famous in the movie business, we'd all be able to go right online. You know, Luckily, I love the Internet because people can see if I was real or not. Uh, oh, you probably go on. You probably go online and watch some of the fights I lost, but the, nobody likes that. But still, you know, it, it does show some of my wins, and it shows that I was a real fighter. I didn't lie about my background. I am a kickboxer, and there are some. You know, I had uh, almost a hundred pro fights total, mm-hmm. and um, you can go online and see some of them. I, I, absolutely, Don, and and also Don. I forget who he was supposed to fight, but Van Dam was supposedly. Supposed to be in this MMA fight against this other yeah, guy. Fight and a Tie happened. fighter. He was going to fight a Tie fighter, but um, uh, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That um, you know, it did not. Um, uh, yeah. Materialize. I I just don't trust him. You know, I mean, what, he never fought when he was young. Mm-hmm. When you're, you know, it's a twenty-year-old sport, by the way, kickboxing. It's not meant for fifty-year-olds. It's a twenty-year-old sport, and. Um, he didn't do it then. Why? Well, I, I just, you know, it makes no sense that he would actually attempt the sport mm-hmm. in fifty. I mean, it's just, uh, it's different for me. I'm like George Foreman. You know, George Foreman was a great fighter when he was young. When he came back, he still ended up winning the world title, right? I mean, he won it. Mm-hmm. I think he's forty five years old. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's different when you've been one of the best fighters in the world and you come back. But when you've never even had one pro fight, like Van Dam, you've never mm-hmm. been in the top ten. You've never held a title of any kind. To, to come out of, well, well, first of all, this is something that, you know, champions consider, but anybody who mm-hmm. says they retired, the only person that actually retires from fighting is the champion. Everybody else mm-hmm. quits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the difference? It's semantics, but still, I, I, you retire the title. In other words, you, you held it, you've had the, the honor of being a champion, you retire the title, Mm-hmm. But if you didn't win the title, and you're just a guy who competed once or twice or you know three or four, you didn't retire from the sport of kickboxing. You just quit. Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. a different mentality, you know. I, 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 Van Dam quit kickboxing if he even had a fight, and then he's going to come out of quitting, quote retirement, to fight. It makes no sense, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it makes no sense, Don. And- you know, and I, you know, I've I've talked with people that know Mr. Van Dam, and they've said, you know, he has burned me in the past. I mean, anybody that he has been in contact with, he's he's burned. You know, and, and it's just, I guess, it's the Hollywood lifestyle. It's just eating alive. Oh, I would, I wouldn't blame it on that. You know what? I, I, I um, people are who they are. They, well, as a matter of fact, just you know, psychologists mm-hmm. <laughs> claim most of your traits have been formed by the time you're five or six years old or something. In other mm-hmm. words, your care, basic character is 
the direction you're going to go it starts at an earlier age than we'd like to think. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that every day we have an opportunity to be a, a different person. Mm-hmm. That we can change. You don't you have to do it slowly. Like, let's yeah. say you're stealing things for a living. Well, you mm-hmm. can wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm never going to steal again. That's, I'm done. I'm going to start giving back. And, and on that day, from that second, you're a different person. Mm-hmm. Now, you were a guy the day before that woke up and said, man, I'm going to pick this guy's pocket. I'm going to, um, I'm going to break into this guy's car or whatever. But you can, I, I like to think anyway, that we have the ability, that we are in control of our destinies, and we have the ability to, at any point of our lives, change the direction mm-hmm. we're going. Oh. And uh, I believe that guys like Van Damme, mm-hmm. he was, well, the kind of guy he was, the kind of person he was, was set way before he ever got successful in Hollywood. I wouldn't want to say, well, it's just Hollywood success. I believe he, if he was humble or nice or friendly with people in the beginning when he came out here, it was only because he was trying to, he thought that's the way to act to get what mm-hmm. I want. Mm-hmm. But once he got what he wanted, which was a certain amount of financial success, a certain amount of fame, then he, then his true personality came out. Mm-hmm. And he started, you know, he hurt stunt people. He he started using drugs and partying, got divorced from his wife and uh, running around in Hollywood. And, and people could say, oh, see, Hollywood, you know, he was a great guy, but Hollywood corrupted him. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't see it that way. I see it the way a psychologist would, that his core personality is already formed when he came out here, and all the Hollywood stuff just allowed him to do what he, you know, the success he got in Hollywood allowed him to be who he really is. Yeah. That's the difference. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, you know, it's my only op- an opinion. I'm not, I'm not myself a trained psychiatrist. But in my opinion, Hollywood did not corrupt Jean-Claude Van Damme. He, he basically um, had many opportunities Many mornings he could have woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to call a press conference and tell the truth. I never did win a world championship in kickboxing. This is insulting and degrading to the sport, and uh, it's wrong to lie, and I, I'm just going to quit it right now. Mm-hmm. Stop all this publicity and information and say, yeah, Don the Dragon Wilson's right. He is a world champion. He held the title for 10 years. He's a real fighter, and I'm, I'm embarrassing myself and mm-hmm. disrespecting the sport by making false claims. And I, oh. I'll stop it right now. Any reporter, don't mm-hmm. write that I'm a undefeated world middleweight champion. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, absolutely. He could have done that. In other words, you know, despite mm-hmm. Hollywood, he could have done that, but he never did. No, and you, you, you never know. I mean, he, you know, if he was going to do that fight, um, that would have changed things maybe, but I don't think he's ever going to fight. No, you know what that would have done? That would have just shown he did a fight. That, that's yeah. one fight. That's not a career as a kickboxing champion. And, and then if he said, see, I was a world champion. See, I, I really can fight. I, I don't, that does not make the lies that he told back in the 80s true. Mm-hmm. It just means he's an older guy who fought somebody in a kickboxing match. <laughs> so that, that's all it means. It means exactly what, what it, you know... Well, well, honestly, what made him successful, Don, and I don't think you'll d- disagree with this point, is uh, blood sports what made him a star. If it wasn't well, for listen, blood listen, sports... That, that was an opportunity for... You know, that movie was offered to Chuck Norris. He turned it down. Uh, really? It was Canon Films. Yeah, Canon Films. Um, yeah, I think Chuck wanted to go the way of action films. He didn't want to take his shirt off and just fight guys the whole movie like, like Van Damme did. But it was a great opportunity for Jean-Claude Van Damme. And the truth of it is, he was talented. 
He, he was a good-looking guy. He, could, he was flexible. He looked good on film. He was muscular. I mean, he was a bodybuilder. His wife, Gladys Portuguese, was at one time the number three bodybuilder in the world in the female division. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Jean-Claude had a lot of things um, that all came together to make him successful. You know, there mm-hmm. wasn't a martial arts superstar like him around. And he had Bloodsport, which was the first of a genre of films. I mean, my career wouldn't have taken off if it wasn't for Van Damme. As far as the, the entertainment industry, I'm very, very positive about Van Damme's accomplishments. Mm-hmm. I only have a problem with him, only with his um, false claims about kickboxing and his personal life that casts a bad shadow on martial arts. Because mm-hmm. martial arts is supposed to get people out of drugs and out of bad things, correct? Yeah, exactly. Good, honorable characteristics as a human being. Well, when he got successful and famous, well, then all his cocaine use came out, and you know, his his, his then he starts lying about his background, and I, I don't know, he he became a negative representative of the martial arts. Mm-hmm. You know, and this, so so that is kind of a beef for me. But but that you know that is much further down the totem pole than the fact that. As a former world champion myself, mm-hmm. there's a guy in Hollywood who's never had a pro fight who's running around saying he's a world champion. I, I don't like that. An Olympic swimmer, gold medal swimmer, would not like it if a guy said he won a gold medal and the guy mm-hmm. ne- doesn't know how to swim. I, I actually, um, I, I do have some um, plan, plans to get uh, Bill Wallace on my show. I he's, a great guy. To... he's a great guy and an icon in the business. And yeah, I, you know, I've got I've got his contact information. I'm sure I could. Um, Get your 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 stuff and give it to him, and he can call you and do what, what I did. I mean, yeah, it's great, always great to mm-hmm. to speak to the audience, to the martial artists out there. Oh, I, absolutely, Dom, because my my audience on YouTube is growing by the day. I've got about a hundred and some subscribers now to oh, my great. channel. So great, and uh, I have uh, I have plans to have um, uh, Cynthia on my show as well. Um, yep, yep. She's 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 going to be a great one because you know she she's accomplished a lot. Uh, she was um, is the only mm-hmm. champion, female or male champion in kata and forms for five straight years. Wow! Um, you know, competing against all the major competitors and in in all the big venues, you know, all the big shows. It's not like she, you know, uh, didn't go to the big. Competitions. I mean, she, they were the biggest, and she was the number one competitor for five straight years. That, that's her, you know, athletic accomplishments. And then, of course, she went to Hong Kong and did a bunch of uh, Hong Kong movies, starred in them. And mm-hmm. at one time, she was the number two box office star in Southeast Asia, right behind Jackie Chan. Wow, that's, she a, was, that's amazing. Yeah, she was kind of like a, a super. Well, she was. She wasn't like a super. She was a superstar in, in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that's amazing. And, and, and Dawn, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I I did have a question to, about um I did have a question about uh, Blood Fist. Um, uh, how was y'all able to get the same actor that was the bad guy in the first one to play in the second one as the bad guy? Well, he he actually lives in the Philippines. Really? And um, yeah, um, Joe. Mari, I think is his name. I, mm-hmm. I can't be sure. He's passed away, but I think you could look it up on the credits, what his name mm-hmm. is. But, uh, yeah, he, he did both the Blood Fists, and, um, you know, he did a great job. I mean, he's a, he's a you know, very talented actor, or was a very talented actor, and uh, a real nice guy. 
real nice guy, very supportive of me, and you know, because he was very experienced, and I was inexperienced in my first few mm-hmm. films. And uh, he, you know, he mm-hmm. uh, was very um, supportive and helpful for me. I and also, Don, I want to get this in there too. You do you do seminars and teaching, correct? And and self defense and oh yeah, yeah. And all I, that. Uh, I still do martial arts when I can't when when I'm. Um, you know, available. I travel and I I do exhibitions. I'll spar people in exhibitions, and I'll do um, seminars and make appearances at fights. And you know, I, I still got a little bit of connection. I and that was a, Chuck Norris advised me to do that early in my career. I mean, he said, you know, always make time. Don't just become a Hollywood person and just you know have meetings with directors and producers and writers. Uh, still keep a certain amount of um, uh, support for mm-hmm. martial art events, and which I do. You know, and that, like I said, that, that any fame you get, you can help a charity to get attention. But also, when you show up at martial art events, it helps the su- event to be successful. Mm-hmm. So that that's also a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, ab- absolutely. And um, I also heard that uh, you did um, some announcing for the UFC when I first started. Yeah, the original one, I, I was uh, one of the original announcers. After the third UFC, I, I announced several of them. But I really didn't come on board to be an announcer. They they actually offered me a – well, they didn't offer. They agreed to set mm-hmm. up and promote the fight between me and Hoist Gracie. And that's what was supposed to happen. And um, they said, well, announce some of our shows, get known to the audience, and then we'll set the fight up. So I announced a few of those shows, and uh, finally I said, you know what, uh, when are you going to announce the fight? And they said, well, truth is, Don, we really don't want to give percentages, because I was going to fight Hoist for 20% of the gross, whatever that would have been. At the time, they were getting about $4 million a show, so just if there wasn't one more viewer, I would have made about eight hundred grand. Mm-hmm. So that's not a bad payday. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a mercenary, I'm a fighter, so you know, the scary thing about fighting is this, brain damage. Not mm-hmm. physical damage, not little cuts on your face and broken bones. What I, I mean, everybody gets that. That's part of the business. Brain damage is, it doesn't reheal, and it could, you know, ruin your life, basically. But if I fight Hoist Gracie, like if I fight him tonight, he's not going to give me brain damage. He's not going to punch or kick me in the head. He's going to grab me, go to the ground, and submit me. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no fear in that for any, there should be no fear for anybody. You can't fight a safer fighter than Hoist Gracie. Mm-hmm. Think, think about it. Back in the old UFC, there's a lot of big, strong guys. They got boxers. They got judo guys. They got all kinds of guys that could actually do some damage to you physically by elbowing you in the face or you know headbutting you because it was legal back then. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that you could sustain some some damage. But Boyce Gracie just shoots, grabs guys, gets them in arm bars, leg locks, you know, chokeholds, and taps them out. And so I thought, man, I'm going to make at least eight hundred grand. And I have no brain damage. Of course, I'll do that any any Friday night you want. I'll set up that fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so it was a no-brainer for me. But what ended up happening is they, they, they had what they felt was a successful formula they didn't want to ruin. What they had was eight guys fighting for a purse of 50000 mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot better financial deal for them than to have me and Hoist, and I'm going to make 800000 <laughs> Wow. And if Hoist heard that I was getting 20%, you think he'd want to fight me for less? Mm-hmm. He'd probably want twenty percent. Now give me twenty and hoist twenty. That leaves sixty for them. Wow! But you know, in boxing, what they used to do, they they give it. Um, you get thirty three and a third percent, like Hoyt or, or uh, say Holofield and Tyson fight. Mm-hmm. Don King promotes it. Well, Holofield gets thirty three million. Don King gets thirty three million, and the whole and um, Tyson gets, or excuse me, thirty million. 
because mm-hmm. they sell two million buys at forty bucks, forty five bucks. That's ninety million, right? Mm-hmm. And they split it three ways. That's how boxing works. Now the UFC with Dana White and all these guys, you got like you know ten fighters, twenty fighters fighting, but they're making like a hundred grand, hundred fifty grand, two hundred grand. They're not making the millions. They're not getting the, the shows are grossing probably today around forty million, mm-hmm. and it's all going to the UFC. <laughs> the fighters make a few hundred grand. That's it. They don't make twenty, thirty, forty million. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I know when they first came out with the UFC, there was. Hardly any rules or anything like that. And yeah, it was not a sport. You know, it was considered what they, you would call a spectacle. Mm-hmm. You're just we're going to get a bunch of guys and they're going to fight each other, <laughs> and we're going to stop it if one of them is unconscious. Mm-hmm. That's about it. You know, if you knock mm-hmm. a guy out, then the fight's over. They don't let the guy jump on your head after that. I mean, the referee would jump in and save you. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It was a pretty unregulated. I mean, the athletic commissions did not sanction it. You know. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. an unsanctioned thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no athletic commission would, um, um, you know, okay it or whatever, supervise it. They didn't have athletic commission doctors there or uh, referees or and nothing. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, it was. No, um, there was something that they. Some people tried to down or um, outlaw it. As a matter of fact. You know, well, I, I was in yeah. Puerto Rico, and they tried to the the Supreme Court there tried to outlaw it. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the truth is, it, it's really safer. It's the safest way to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, because you can quit at any time, and nobody moves at you. I mean, that's that's an acceptable way to end the fight. Imagine two boxers fighting, and one of them just says, "You know what? I quit. Now, you hit me hard, and I don't feel like fighting anymore. I, I I'm going to come back next time." You can't yeah, do no. that in boxing. You can't tap tap out. That's what they call it, tap out. In my sport, we call that quitting. Mm-hmm. You know, when a guy hits you and you're slightly stunned, you go to the ground and and you hold your hands up and everything in front of your face, and the referee dives in there. Mm-hmm. That's called quitting. In boxing, you're supposed to fight until you're unconscious. Then that's what fighters do. Oh, absolutely. And if they get stunned, they give them many times, many fights, they give them what they call the standing eight. Mm -hmm. You stand up. Now, you've been knocked down. The guy decked you. You stand up, and if you can fight, the referee thinks you can defend yourself after eight seconds, you start fighting again. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't do that in the UFC, right? As soon as the guy goes down, if he's stunned, the guy, John McCarthy, dives in there and stops the fight. So it's much safer. I, I like the sport because it is safe and it's less brain damage. You can't you can't punch a guy in the head for twelve rounds. They don't fight twelve rounds. You know they fight you know three five minute rounds or five 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 minute rounds something like that. But mm-hmm. um, they don't uh, sustain the brain damage that boxers do, and they don't get uh, the kind of knee damage that kickboxers do and. I don't know. I, I like the sport. I, I like MMA. I, I I do too. And I'm I'm sitting here, Dawn, racking my brain and thinking back to our you know our conversation. There and I forget exactly what it was. And I I do apologize, but you did say that you did want to debut something on my show. So I wanted to give you the opportunity oh, oh, yeah, to do well, so now. You know, I I um, um have a lot of things that um. Uh, you know, I've got going on now. You know, we've got the T-shirt business, uh, 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 Dragon Traditions. It's uh, uh, traditions dot traditions with a Z dot US. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not debuting, but I mean, it's you know, it's been around for a couple of years now, and it's uh, you can go to traditions with a Z dot us, and uh, there's a lot of good high quality martial art T-shirts. Uh, then uh, I've got um, a um, uh, I guess you call it nutritional product. I don't want to call it. Yeah, it's a nutritional product that, uh, that I support with Genesis Pure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you can go right to the Traditions website and you can uh, check out the products of Traditions Pure as well. Uh, your Genesis Pure, it's um, mm-hmm. you know a, um, a hydration drink, kind of like Greater Gatorade is. Someone mm-hmm. like that, except better. You know, the scientists said that this is an improvement. And then the other one is, um, uh, I got, I got, of course, we talked about my new company. Um, and we have a new film. Cynthia and I are going to be doing. It's a PG thirteen. It's called uh, the Martial Art Kid. And uh, what we were calling it is, it's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know the Brad Pitt movie, Angelina Jolie. It's Mr. and Mrs. Smith meets the Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have a kid in it. But uh, Cynthia and I are going to be a married couple uh, who are going to try to influence the guy in a positive way through the martial arts. You know, and, uh, that's going to be fantastic, Dawn. Fantastic. Well, um, I. You know, we're we're gearing it for that specific reason. We want it to go right to the martial art audience. Oh, absolutely, because it's actually been a good while since we've had a good martial arts film in today's generation. With uh, Will Smith's son, that mm-hmm. one grossed $200 million domestic. I mean, that was a pretty big hit. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's probably the last one. You're right. I mean, that's, you know, the Karate Kid was the last one for the, for the audience, for, like a PG-13, you know. We used to have Mortal Kombat. We used to have the uh, Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. There was more more martial arts slash family fair, but yeah, recently it's uh, been you know the only martial arts you would see is in a hardcore action film. Mm-hmm. And Don, I've got to ask you this because it seems like this is all that Hollywood is doing nowadays. What do you yeah. think of remakes of movies? Because they they've taken well, a lot of titles and remade them and. I I fear one day that they're going to remake Blood Fist and it's not going to live up to its potential. Well, I believe if there is a remake of it, it was the one that Matt Mullins did. Because the, my complaint about that script, the main one, mm-hmm. was I felt I had already done the movie. I felt the script was too similar to the Blood Fist that I did the very first Blood Fist. And mm-hmm. I've never seen... It's called Blood Fist 2050, I believe. And it, it's the last Blood Fist Matt Mullen started. And, it, and it's, when I read the script, it seemed like the exact same thing I did. It was like a, a guy's brother gets killed, and he gets he goes to get revenge, and it, it ends up being that his trainer is the guy that killed him. That's the specific... Now, now that would be considered, most people, a remake, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's a remake and uh, of Blood Fist, the original. But it says 2050 because it's in the future. Mm-hmm. That was the big difference. But... Um, Let's you know, steal the I, same script. <laughs> well, the, the basic concept is the same, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Brothers killed, and he's um, going to Manila to get revenge. I mean, gosh, this is too similar to me. That, that's what that that's the reason I passed. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, my feeling is all these. Um, I have no, no problem with all these remakes. I mean, for one, number one, the reason Hollywood does something is because it makes money. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they, if they're not making money, so obviously the audience enjoys it. And, you know, my movies are not um, 
uh, art house films that are meant to enlighten or change anyone's life, right? I mean, they're not mm-hmm. what you would call an important film that, in that regard. They're entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's it's a ninety minute roller coaster ride. Now, when you get on a roller coaster, Justin, you get on it and you mm-hmm. go on up and down, around in circles, go around. You get all these thrills. You get excited, but when you when it stops, doesn't it bring you back to the same? Place? You haven't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying. A roller coaster ride excites you, entertains you, but you end up back in the same place you did when you started. Well, well to I, me, anyway, mm-hmm. action fans pretty much do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you, I don't believe you could say there's too many action films, whether it's Die Hard or you know mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, whatever. Where at the end of it, you've had some life revealing, changing experience mm-hmm. through that film. Mm-hmm. Usually, you just had a fun time. You were entertained. Mm-hmm. And, and there's there's a movie going, and I, I do apologize that I can't remember the title right offhand, but there was a movie I saw a long time ago that you were in that I absolutely loved. You got stuck in like a you got stuck in like a video game or something, or like a virtual oh, virtual combat. It was virtual combat. Yeah. But yeah. It was also called overseas. It was called Grid Runners, but in America it was virtual combat, and that was a HBO world premiere. Mm-hmm. So that one was very successful. And that movie, by the way. It was the idea, um, you know, I was one of the producers, so it was our idea to have a guy who plays these video, or he uses these video games to train himself, and then the characters come out of the video game. Now, after we made that movie, there was a movie mm-hmm. with, with um, uh, Russell Crowe called Virtuosity. Mm-hmm. Same movie. It's like they took the same idea. Now, could have been a coincidence, but our movie came out first, and then they did a big budget ripoff of that movie. Then I also did a movie called Black Belt, which was about a guy protecting a singer. And then they fall in love. And, and then The Bodyguard came out after that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to say that there are some Hollywood producers slash actors who watch my B movies and then kind of do a big budget of them. But it did happen twice. I mean, twice I made these kind of low budget quirky movies, and then the the general theme of them became big budget. It might just be a coincidence, but... Yeah, exactly. I mean, Don, you've done a lot in your career. My next question's for you, and you can take as much time as you need for this one. Um, What is your expectations for 2014? I mean, because obviously, my friend, you have done a lot in your career. I mean, movies, fighting, you know, a champion. What's What's your expectations for 2014? I have two projects that I've, I'm committed to doing. They're both in pre-development, uh, which means they're not, nothing's rock solid with them. And the, even the scripts are being written as we speak. Uh, one is called The Martial Art Kid, the PG-13 I was talking about. My brother is per- co-producing it with a, uh, a woman named Cheryl Duncan Wheeler. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they're producing it. And um, I've, Michael Baumgarten is the uh, director, writer, and producer, and he's real talented. His last film had three Oscar-winning actors in it, so it shows you the, the level of his writing. And he's going to write this movie and produce it. Uh, so that's one I, I'm, I'm going to do this year. I'm committed to it. It's going to be shot in Florida. And, uh, I'm uh, very enthusiastic about it. The other thing I'm doing is a movie called Blood Raid. Mm-hmm. And it is a just, you know, it is the most ambitious kind of action movie I've been involved in. It's, of course, I don't want to use the term ripoff, but like The Expendables, it's going to have all the B-movie guys in it. 
You know, the Expendables has Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, Mel Gibson. I mean, they got all these A-list uh, action stars. Mm-hmm. Well, ours is going to have all the B-movie action stars. And it's called Blood Raid. And um, there is a surprise twist in the story. Uh, it starts off like a typical action movie. A SWAT unit's going in to stop these bank robbers. And so there's good guys and bad guys. And it's all in one location, like Die Hard. This mm-hmm. big building they're robbing, and um, the bad guys land a helicopter on the roof, trying to fool the good guys that you know they're going to take the helicopter. And, but what they do is they go down into the cellar and they're going to escape under the building and like a subway system type thing. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they go down there and there's a den of vampires down there, and the bad guys and the SWAT unit have to join forces to survive. Wow. And that's the basic pl- Yeah. There, there's a whole complete twist. It's going to start just like a normal action movie. And that idea basically came from originally, like Tarantino did a movie called, uh, and Robert Rodriguez called Dust to Dawn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had bank like robbers that in that movie. Yeah. But it's about these, all these bad guys. They stop at this Mexican. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. They, they start, it doesn't start like, there's not vampires floating around or doing anything in the beginning of the movie. It just looks like a kind of an action drama about these bank robbers trying to escape, and then they go into this little Mexican bar, and then, you know, I think when it turns midnight or something, the vampires come out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then everybody, the bikers, the drug dealers, the bank robbers, everybody joins forces to try to... One guy's a preacher, if oh, I recall, wow. right? Harvey Keitel's a preacher. They, mm-hmm. But, I mean, good guys and bad guys, everybody joins forces to survive this vampire assault. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, wow. Uh, so, so yeah, the very end of Dust to Dawn is nonstop action, and the very third act of uh, Blood Raid is all action. Vampire action, um, cop action, and, and bad guy action. You, you know, Dawn, Those are the two projects I have this year. I, I would love to see you work work in a movie with Chuck Norris. I mean, since you... Well, you, you know, know I, I'd love to have Chuck, and you know, you know what? Maybe we could... Look, what I say we should do, we, we need to do, if we want to get Chuck, mm-hmm. is, because at one time he said he would work with me, and no problem, but you know, he's semi-retired. I mean, he was in The Expendables, but Chuck doesn't need any more money. He, he produced Walker, Texas Ranger and started it for eight years. Great. He's retired. From he's not out hustling to make movies, believe me. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I, what, if I make a good movie for martial arts with a good sto- story, good theme, and I show it to him, I said, Chuck, would you play a character... We want to just add a scene. I'll make sure we can include him. And that's the way he could, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he'd be a judge at the competition or he'd, you know, he could do some kind of what they call a cameo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'd love to do that with Chuck. Are you kidding? I mean, he's the guy who gave me the idea to even be an actor. <laughs> I, I, would love- I know he's not going to get up every morning, yeah. work his butt off, you know, put on the makeup and do all, memorize all your dialogue. Do, do the stuff we actors do, the work part of it. I know he's not going to do it now. Uh, especially for no money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, Chuck has done a lot in his career, and I think what he's trying to do is just slow down and take it yeah, easy. Yeah, he just wants to relax. You know, the guy's in his 70s. I mean, you know, isn't it time to... But he did a great job in the Expendables, didn't he? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, because I, I actually went and saw that on my birthday, and uh, Don, I wanted to mention quickly, too, uh, I was looking on... I was looking on your Facebook page. Me and you almost have the same birthday. You were September 10th, and I'm the 11th. Oh, wow. So, How about that? 
come up there. Yeah, I was looking at that the other day, and I was like, how cool is that? <laughs> so, so. Coincidence. My life's full of coincidences. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, Don. I mean, because, honestly, I worked on trying to get you booked for two years on the show, so. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sorry I'm so hard to get hold of. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not your fault. I mean, you know, because when I, when I first started this, you know, Don, um, uh, there was people people saying because I have a disability, I would never have my own radio show. And anytime somebody has ever said to me, Don, oh, you can't go out and do this because you have a disability, what do I do? I go out and prove them wrong. So uh, that's a good attitude because you know what um, I, I think people were only well we're mainly limited by ourselves what we you know uh, what do they say can't never did anything <laughs> oh I, absolutely I mean because I've got a spirit that will never die my friend I mean that's the only way I can explain it so well, that, that's um, a good attitude that's a good positive attitude and um, you know, uh, I everything. You know, we live in. Even Einstein finally had to agree. We live in a viewer created mm-hmm. universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I say even Einstein, I said subatomic particles operate a certain way. But if nobody is watching them, nobody is observing. No scientists. They do a. They they do not react the same as if that scientist just looks at them. Mm-hmm. If a scientist observes, and this is this, Einstein said, no, this can't be. The universe can't work that way. But it does. We we actually, humans, have an effect. All life probably has an effect on other life and other, uh, all matter, energy. We, we affect mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And um, if you start believing something, you will make it true. It will be true. If you believe something, it will be true, whether it's negative or positive. Well. Oh, absolutely, because honestly, Don, you know, I didn't care how long it was going to take. I was determined to have you on the show, and I've got I've got many fans that said, you know, you should try to book Don the Dragon Wilson, and I said, you know, but I've been trying, but I'm going to keep trying until I succeed. So I've got many fans that's going to be really happy when this is released. Oh, well, I'm happy that it's going to be released then, is it? If I, uh, <laughs> people think I, I was hard hard to, to nail down. Well, you know, I do a lot of traveling. That is true. And, um, you know, I used to have two assistants. Now I do things mostly myself because I, I you need assistance when you're doing, and I did do five movies in 13 months. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could not keep track of anything. I couldn't even, listen, my business phone, it might get 50 calls in a day. Well, who's going to return all those calls? They're from all over the world and all kinds of people and all kinds of offers. And business. I mean, I had to have other people helping me to filter through. And then, of course, if something's personal, it goes directly to me. If, mm-hmm. it, if it's my wife or it's my mom, my brother, or my you know, a personal friend. Well, but I'm saying when somebody just cold calls me from Germany or Russia or somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, it, it had it was getting filtered through agents and personal managers and assistants and. Um, you know, it just, it, if if you were trying to contact me any time during that period of my life, it would not have been an easy thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you and I, if we we don't know Tom Cruise, if we just want to call him and ask him if he'd support some charity, let's say, 
Mm-hmm. What do you think the odds are that you and I can get his direct number, call Tom Cruise up on his cell phone while he's watching a basketball game and talk to him? I mean, mm-hmm. there's going to be, I'm positive, many levels of people between you, me, and Tom Cruise. And, um, I, of course, I was never Tom Cruise in my career. Mm-hmm. Never, never that is your successful. But I'm just saying, I was a version of that. You know, it was a uh, a difficult thing to to get me buckled down, nailed down for anything in those mm-hmm. days. Um, but today, um, no, it's it would be my fault if I didn't get back to you. Although, you know, I will say this: you know, when you're getting you know twenty, thirty, forty calls a day, and you're mm-hmm. gone for like you're in Russia, say for a week and a half. How many messages do you think there are for me when I get home? Oh, thousands. When you get like 20 or 30 of them a day. I mean, and you're yeah. gone for 10 days. I mean, it, it, I could spend all my time getting back. I got thousands, literally thousands of messages on my Facebook page. <laughs> I try to go through those things, but it's almost impossible. There's no way I can go back and get the old ones. I mean, I can't, I can't keep up with the new ones. I, I, I started the Facebook page. Actually, uh-huh. a friend started it for me. He said, Don, you got to get on Facebook. I said, well, I never did that. And they did it for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I just started clicking yes to everybody. And all of a sudden, boom, I had 5,000 people in like two months. And th- there were no more. I couldn't add any more people. So people said, well, just tell people to friend you. So I said, okay, well, friend me. So now i got like six or 7,000, not friends, um, uh, followers. Yeah, follow mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. now I've got like 12,000 people on Facebook that – our friends quote followers, and I don't advertise that. It's people that seek me out and um, you know want to keep up with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if if you try to reach me on Facebook, I mean I, was, I apologize, but I mean it, it just imagine there's ten thousand people, mm-hmm. and they start sending these little messages on my message board. How, how many messages do you think would be in a week? Let's say <laughs> I, I can't even count them. They're in thousands though. And and, and believe me, I I didn't, I don't target anybody out and say, okay, well, I'm not going to check his messages or I'm not going to check her messages or what. I I check them occasionally Mm -hmm. once in a while. Mainly, I just post things on it. And sometimes I'll respond to some some comments somebody might make. Mm -hmm. You know, I I enjoy it. I like being in touch with my uh, friends in the martial arts, I call them. I may Mm -hmm. not have ever met them, but if they're martial artists, we share a common interest. Oh, oh, absolutely, Don, and I'm going to go on public record here on my show and apologize for all the calls I made to your office. I just wanted to make oh, sure no, that no, I got a no, hold no, of I, you. No, no, this is my a business. If you called this number, this is my business office phone. This is the one that's supposed to get all the calls. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, uh, it stores them, and um, uh, when I come back, I, I um, sometimes, if I'm gone for like Two weeks. I mean, I'll have somebody write the messages down, but but usually I, I'll get back and I'll, I'll check it myself. Oh, that that that's amazing. And um, we, uh, Don, we can wrap this up any time that you want. Um, um, I I do have uh, I do have um, two two questions for you. Um, did you like this interview? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and uh, um, would you ever come back eventually to the show to promote new new stuff, possibly your new movies and all that stuff? Of course, yeah, that would be, um, you know, it's always good to get publicity. There's no doubt about it. It's always a good thing. There's, there's, well, I know they say the only bad publicity is no publicity, but 
I guess there could be some bad things. Uh, you know, Van Damme when he was, you know, in rehab and things. I mean, that, that if you read, uh, 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 hey, look, it's John Wilson. He, he's in all the news, and then somebody said, well, what's what's going on? And he says, oh, he's in drug rehab. <laughs> I don't think that's good news. That's not necessarily good, but most of the times it is good. And this is, of course, just this is great for me to be able to plug everything and talk to all the people. So I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, because this interview, I'm going to get it everywhere. YouTube, and I can find to do videos, audio. This, this hey, I'll put it up on, listen, I'll put it up on my, my page. That's 11,000 people. I'm sure someone want to listen to me ranting and raving. Oh, absolutely, because I, you know, Dawn, I, I told my family, I was so excited about this interview that I um, I played your voicemail for my family. Um, and I was like, I can't wait to do this show. So. Oh, great. Well, you know what? I'm glad we got, got to work on it then. So, um, and, and I know you're a very busy man, so um, do you have any, uh, do you have any final, uh, final thoughts before, uh, before no, I let just, you go? Uh, just, I uh, hope everybody, um, you know, has a great year this year and, uh, uh, looks like we're, we're turning the corner on that recession. I think things are going to get better. So uh, I'd like to thank all my fans for all the support over the years. You know, I, I used to have kickboxing fans. Now i got movie fans. So, uh, you know, no kickboxer can make a living if nobody's watching his fights. And, and no actor can make a living if nobody's watching his movies. So I owe it all to my friends slash fans. And, and I'd like to thank them all. Oh. I, absolutely, uh, Don. And um, I was going to tell you too, my friend. If you're ever, if you're ever in West Virginia or somewhere in the Virginia area, please, please let me know. Okay, so. I will do it. Uh, thank you. Thanks a lot, Justin. I appreciate it. Th- thank you, Don, and uh, take care of my friends. And we'll be talking to you again in the near future. Great, and and make sure I, I get the uh, you know the the. Um, Download or the you know the link so I can let all um, my friends uh, also listen to the interview. Oh, absolutely! I'm- all right, all right. Have a good day. You too, Don. Thank you so much. This morning I have a very special guest who I actually talked about during my interview with Don the Dragon Wilson. I would like to welcome Cynthia Ross Rock to the show. Welcome, dear. Uh, thank you. And how are things this morning? Oh, things are really great. Um, I'm finally recovering from a shooting the martial art kid, and then from there I went to Pennsylvania to the Legends of the Martial Art, and then from there I went to Berlin. <laughs> so I'm finally home and uh, home for for a little bit at least anyway, so I'm feeling great. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yes, I, I know that you go to the uh, Martial Arts Hall of Fame quite a bit because um, I, saw, I saw a film where um, Master Ken was really busting your chops during his speech. So. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, that, yeah. that was, uh, yeah, I think two years ago, yeah. I'm actually yeah. going back to the same Hall of Fame, uh, I think, I believe, like next weekend. <laughs> oh, oh, well. So. Just beware if Master Ken's there. He, you know, he's going to say something. So. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. I've actually had him on the show as well. Um, 
My, my first question for you, Cynthia, is um, before you got into acting, how did you get into you know, the whole martial arts aspect? Well, uh, I started when I was 13, and one of my best friends, their parents were studying uh, Tung Sudo at the Scranton Karate School. And they would, I would watch them practice, and I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, being so young, I thought, ooh, I, I like the uniform. I'd like to get a karate belt. And uh, they said, well, you know, come along. You know, we'll take you to our class, and you can try it. So that's what started it. Oh, oh, wow. And so eventually you decided to jump into acting, or? Yeah, well, um, you know, I was, uh, by the time I, w I started acting, I was uh, uh, world champion in forms and weapons. And <laughs> basically my goal was to do this five years in a row, which is basically competing about 40 times a year, and be undefeated in mm -hmm. five years and then retire. So that's where my mind was focused. But during my fourth year of competition, almost the ending of it, you know, I um, I went on an audition mm -hmm. that uh, Yun Kuei and Sammo Hung were looking, actually they were looking for a guy. They were looking for a guy to be the new kind of Bruce Lee. And uh, I was on the West Coast demonstration team, and they said, okay, well, shall we bring the girls? And they said, yeah, you can bring them, but... We're not, they're not really looking for a girl. So I went down there, and after I had to do some forms, self-defense, weapons, uh, uh, they said, ooh, we're going to go with the girls. So they signed me up. So it was kind of something that I, I wasn't really focused on doing, you know, and I thought, ooh, this is going to be a great experience. I'll do one movie. I'll go to Hong Kong. Maybe I'll be on a poster. I could tell my kids someday, hey, look, your mom was on a poster in a movie, you know. And I didn't really know that my career would lead into that. And then uh, I shot the movie during the fifth year of my competition, and I didn't want to get rid of that goal, you know. So I would compete. I would go to Hong Kong, be on the set, go to fly to Minneapolis, compete, go back to Hong Kong, you know, fly to Texas. So I did that. I was able to achieve that goal. And then from that point on, I thought, okay, well, I'm not competing anymore Maybe I can do movies because I love this and I had fun. So that went transitioned into an acting career. I I would have loved to have seen you work with um, David Carradine. Yeah, well, I was in a movie with him, but unfortunately, we weren't in too many scenes together. We were all, I was he was in uh, Martial Law, I believe, uh, part one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, part one. And we only we were in the ending scene, but it was very small. But the, the good thing is, is that we eventually ended up becoming really good friends. So, and then I did a movie with him too in Spain. I think it was mm -hmm. called Bite the Bullet, but it wasn't an action picture, and I just did an acting role. Awesome. And um, I wanted to say that you did you did an excellent job on uh, No No Retreat No Surrender too. I watched that the other day, and that was just. Spectacular! I didn't like how they killed off your character, though. But I <laughs> yeah, did. I know. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's amazing, you know. That I feel like really blessed that you know people could look back at these films that were shot, you know, twenty years or so ago, you know, and still like them because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know they're not really outdated because the action was so good. Oh yeah, and and, and like I said, I'm. I'm very excited that you and Donna are working together on the martial arts kit. I think it's going to be, I, once it's released, I think it's going to be a big hit. I really do. 
Yeah, I do too. I mean, um, we all just had the greatest time uh, doing it. You know, the crew, uh, James Wilson, Cheryl Wheeler, the producers were amazing, and they're my friends. So, you know, Mm -hmm. how great is that to do a project and be on set every day with these people that you really love and be with, you know? And our cast, I thought the cast was perfect. Uh, You know, our director was so easy and great to work with. It was just, you know, it was one of those experiences that you're like, it has to be a good film because everything just worked. Mm-hmm, and I believe you climbed Mount Everest, I think. Was it Mount Everest well, climbed? Or? Yes, I did. I'm always looking for extreme challenges. And uh, we actually went to base camp, which is about 19,000, just a little bit under 19,000 elevation. And, oh, wow. uh yeah, it it took us two weeks to do it, and, you know, it was a lot tougher than I imagined. It was probably, out of all the extreme adventures, I think, I don't know if I'm going to top that one, but it was it was definitely a challenge and something that I'm really, you know, proud that I was able to do because it doesn't matter what kind of condition you're in. When you're trekking 12 hours a day uphill, in high altitude, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not it's not that fun. It was freezing. I was getting altitude headaches, you know. It, it you know, and you're you're kind of walking at a snail's pace, you know. Yeah, but yeah. but now I I look back on boy, what an amazing you know thing to have done. Now, when you when you first started Cynthia on like acting and martial arts, was there a point to where like um, nobody really took you serious because you were a woman? Do you well, think? I wouldn't say nobody took me serious. I would say there was a point when nobody wanted to put me as the lead. I was always the co-lead, like the girlfriend of the guy that would come in and save the day in the end, you know. I would fight, but I never could be the main hero. And then... people started going, hmm, well, you know what, yeah, she, she's pretty good. Maybe she could hold a movie of her own. And then I did, I, I can't remember what the first movie I did when I was the lead. It might have been, well, it might have been China O'Brien, but China O'Brien didn't come out for a bit. Um, you know, and then people started going, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, she's she could do it, you know. So then I became, you know, the top person, you know, because they, you know, but there was a little period in the time there where they were, there was like, well, maybe women can't really sell a film. And then... I kind of experienced that a little bit in Hollywood, you know. I mean, to this day, I I still haven't, you know, been in, you know, like kind of in a big fight scene in a big movie, which I would still, an A-listed movie, which I would still love to do, and I'm hoping, you know, that 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 could happen. But uh, nowadays, I don't think think that that is around, you know. Now I think it's just like, you know, hey, good action is good action. doesn't matter who's doing it. Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, I was just thinking because back then those times were really tough, you know, back in those yeah. days. That's, yes, that's it why really I, was. Because, yeah. so, I mean, you, you know, times are really changing. I mean, this generation has changed. Because, see, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so. Yeah, well, see, too, even in competition when I competed, I always had to compete in a weapons division against men. They didn't have a women's division then, and when I went, you know, for grand champion, I always competed in the men's grand champion, you know, and today, you know, they have women's the weapons separate, and they have women's grand champion, you know, and I was like, wow, I, I never had that. <laughs> oh, wow. 
And you, you've worked with uh, Benny the Jet as well, right? Correct? Yes, I have. Yes, I worked on a couple projects with Benny. I hear he's a wonderful guy. Benny is one of those people that he's a great soul. You know, he's like, not only is he extremely talented, but when you meet him, you Mm -hmm. like him right away. He's one of those people that you just know by looking at him that this is a good person. Mm -hmm. So so take my audience through a typical day for you. What is a typical day for Cynthia Rothrock? Well, a typical day, it depends on the day, but normally, let's say, on average, I get up about 5.30 every mm-hmm. day. I take my mm-hmm. daughter to school. Then I go work out. Uh, then I usually do errands. <laughs> then I pick her up from school, and mm-hmm. we come home, and then I, t- I take her to dance. I'll take my dogs for a walk. And then maybe I'll uh, do some work at night on the computer. I'm kind of a late night owl, so I, I kind of stay up late. So that's when I get my work done, and mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of a typical typical weekday. On weekends, I like to do something, uh, you know, a little more uh, fun, like doing a hike or uh, you know, paddle boarding or doing something sporty. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that, and you know, I travel quite a bit. But if I'm not traveling, that pro- probably much pretty sums up what what my day is like. And you know, I do put in like occasionally we'll get a, go see a movie or go to a theme park, which I like to do. You know, something mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. on average, that's kind of basically you know what I do. Yeah. Uh, what was your biggest influence, Cynthia? I think my biggest influences when I was growing up was Jackie Chan. Uh, I used to study uh, with Shum Leung in New York City, and after class every day we would go to Chinatown, see a movie, and then eat. And mm-hmm. I would see the Jackie Chan movies, and I was just, like, amazed by him. I would remember moves that he did and go home and try to do them because the thing that I liked about him is that he would take any kind of apparatus, you know, that he could find and use it as a weapon, and mm-hmm. I love that. So he kind of was my inspiration as I was uh, growing up. You know, I, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess, and e- even today, he's, you know, he still is. And I've actually read somewhere where he actually broke, he's actually broke every bone in his body doing what he does. I'm, I'm sure he has because shooting in Hong Kong is, is very tough. It's, 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 almost as tough as climbing up to base camp at Everest because they have you doing such hard action and it's real and there's always that danger that you're going to get hurt, you know, which if you do movies in Hong Kong all the time, you do (laughs) end up getting hurt, almost something Mm -hmm. on each picture. Mm -hmm. Because every place is different when it comes to filming, so. That's true. That is true. So, I mean, you've done a lot in your career, Cynthia, and it's um, 2014 now. What's your, what's your goals or expectations? I mean, you've done a lot in your career. Well, I think, you know, at one point a couple years ago, I was going to open up a martial arts studio again, and then the movies started coming back. You know, uh, I find, like, the movie cycle goes it's really popular action pictures and then it's slow and then all of a sudden there's a lot of people that want to do movies and all of a sudden it started to come on the uprise. So I put the karate school idea off, which I do think eventually at some point I will open it. But now I'm focusing on doing films. Um, I have another project that's about to start that's uh, called the Perils, uh, 
of Penelope uh, Peacock, and that is um, right now we're on Indiegogo, like trying to raise the financing. Like uh, we raised some of our financing for uh, the martial art kid. So I think which is it's a great way to get people involved in the picture and also um, uh, get financing for your film. And uh, I'm looking forward to this part because it's so different than anything I've ever done. It's really going to be a big uh, acting role for me, and the action is going to be incredible because the fight scenes all come in her mind that she's dreaming. So you could go mm-hmm. off the top. It's almost like I think about it like drawing a comic. You know, you could you could do that. And I'm also actually going to – we've been working for 10 years on a comic book series. Um, I think we're going to do a graphic novel, Sin the Last Angel. So uh, that is in the plans to get that done mm-hmm. within the year. And, uh, and, and you know what, uh, still, uh, I still want to travel and do some fun stuff. Um, my next trip is in January going to Norway to do some glacier trekking and also see the Aurora Borealis, which I have never seen and I've always wanted to see. So I, mm-hmm. I guess right now that's, that's kind of what I'm foreseeing for the future. Oh, amazing. Now, do you do seminars as well? Or? I do. I do a lot of seminars. Uh, that's what I was doing in Berlin. I probably do about a seminar a month. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I love doing this because, you know what, deep inside I am a martial artist and I love teaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this has been a great, you know, opportunity for me. It's also given me... Uh, a way to travel to different places. I do a lot of seminars in Europe, you know, and I meet so many incredible people, you know, mm-hmm. that have become my friends that I think doing doing the seminars all over the world has been something I, I really, again, am blessed to do because it's just, you know, amazing experience for me to teach, to meet new people, you know, and mm-hmm. to sightsee as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Cynthia, how do you feel about, since about meeting people, how do you feel about, like, social media, like Facebook and Twitter? Because I know for me, it has opened up a lot of doors for me and the show, because I've, I've talked with a lot of movie stars this year. I mean, this has been the best year for my show, actually. Oh, great. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm all for Facebook. I agree with you that uh, it's a great means to, uh, for me, I get, I get a lot of work for seminars because people see, uh, usually I'm kind of known for posting a lot of pictures of what I do. And it's just because I like it because I know that the fans out there, the friends out there really like to see what you're doing and they, they appreciate that you take the time you know, out of your busy day to think about them and show them what you're doing. And through this, I get a lot of people saying, wow, we'd like her to come and do a seminar. So to me, that has been my greatest asset, you know, to get seminars, you know, all over the world. I have a Twitter account. I haven't really uh, worked it that much because I mostly stay on Facebook, but I know mm-hmm. I have to do it. And it's funny, my daughter just set up an Instagram for me, and she's like, you're not on Instagram? <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you the funny name that she she mm-hmm. put for me, but I'm like, okay, got to change that. So so basically, I think I definitely think social media helps helps everyone, whether it's business-related or actually staying in contact with people or making, you know, some new friends. I've met a couple people, you know, through Facebook that have really become really, really good friends, you know. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, I I think it's such an asset in today's world, you know, in many uh, aspects. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I, I'd like to comment on something, Cynthia. I'm surprised, like, see, uh, Frank Dukes is my martial arts teacher, and I followed his career, you know, my whole life. But it surprises me that you two have not worked on a film together or done yeah, it, together. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's it's funny because at the Legends Hall of Fame in Pennsylvania, I was sitting with Frank, and he was talking about a project that he has that he wants to include me in. Um, his next project, and uh, that th- hopefully you'll see that you'll see Cynthia and Frank Dukes together doing a film. You know, uh, uh, I, I I think Frank is amazing. Uh, he's such a great guy, and he's so knowledgeable, and he's funny. You know, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but he's a really really funny guy. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I hope it comes about that you know that he you know he gets his project off the ground, and and you know we could uh, act together. Yeah, because I've I've always wanted to see something like that, you know, because I've always asked myself, uh, why is Frank and Cynthia not work together? I mean, because you've worked with with Dawn quite a bit, too, so that just bubbles my mind. And maybe, like, in 2015, maybe. Yeah, well, I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping, yeah, that would would totally be amazing. And it'd be, it'd be a big hit, I believe, too. So. Yeah, I I think so. Um, so if you, if you had to pick a favorite martial arts film, what's your favorite? Oh, I'd have to say it's still Enter the Dragon. I still love that film. I love the characters in it. I like the story, you know. Um, so I think that's still, it's a classic, and that still, like, is, is probably my... Uh, Top martial art film. Wow, that that's amazing because what's funny is I actually I actually took a little bit of music from that film and put it behind Don's personal promo that he actually recorded for me. So <laughs> that's amazing. So <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, and, uh, Bola, Bola was excellent in that film as well, and then you have the um, late great uh, Jim Kelly. It just yes. passed away. Yeah. So. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just. It was just for its time. It was such a, a great idea. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's your opinion on, on uh, remakes of films? I mean, because I see Hollywood going crazy with this nowadays. They got to remake this and remake that. What's What's your thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think sometimes a remake works, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, um, I think maybe if you can improve it, I'm all for it. But sometimes these old movies, these classics, it's like leave what what is alone. Like, you know, like uh, the Charlie's Angels series, you know, like it, it's like sometimes it's really, if you're going to do a remake, you have to make sure it's going to be better. And if it's not, you have to you have to leave it alone. Like one of the things Richard Norton and I talked about is doing a remake of China O'Brien, you know, because mm-hmm. we were just starting out then. We didn't really know acting well. It was a popular film throughout the world. And we thought, you know, how great that would be to do it now in a modern day and do it a little bit more edgy, you know, a little more, you know, darker. Um, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to get the rights for it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and what kills me, Cynthia, about, about remakes is uh, a couple months ago, uh, my little nephew, he's like uh, six years old, and um, he says, Unky, 
I saw the Karate Kid. And, you, you know, here I'm thinking, you know, great, 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 you know, and um, he, he was telling me about Jackie, uh, Jackie Chan and, you know, Jaden Smith, and I'm like, buddy, that's not the original. Uncle's going to have to show you the original Karate Kid. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess the good thing is, is that, yeah, to show the original is that some of these movies are so old that, you know, the generation of today doesn't even know or see them. Like, you know, for someone to redo Enter the Dragon, that would be, that'd be kind of hard, you know, to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Cynthia, do you know uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. or Senior? Yes, I do. I know both of them. I used to uh, train on the West Coast demonstration team when I moved from Pennsylvania to California. I mm-hmm. moved out to Cal- I moved out to San Jose because of them, and I was training at their school, and I was on the demonstration team. Actually, oh. that's what I was doing before I left to go to Hong Kong to shoot. Uh, yes, madam. Wow, that's amazing. They're both. I got to tell you, Cynthia. For me, they're both genuine great people, both of them. Oh yes, they are. You know, and I I think you know, just in general, most martial artists are. You know, mm-hmm. because I guess it's just an integrity. You know, that comes with all that training and, you know, you're helping people, you know, and it just helps you to become a better person, you know, and I just think I, I haven't met too many martial art, you know, people yeah. that have been successful that are not, you know, the nicest people around. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with me, um, you know, I'm more old style when it comes to martial arts, but what's your what's your thoughts on MMA? I mean, you know, I don't take anything away from MMA. I'm just I'm just more old style. To me, martial arts is the old style. You know what? I agree with you. I I like watching MMA, mm-hmm. but I do think you know someone uh, has to go through traditional martial arts training. I think uh, that uh, if you are pretty uh, efficient in your martial arts, like say you're close to black belt, brown belt. I think it's a great asset to learn some ground fighting, you know, if you get mm-hmm. down on the ground. But uh, as far as people just doing MMA and not doing the traditional the traditional aspect, I still think, you know, I, I remember I had a conversation with one of my friends once, and he turned all pro MMA and kind of just lost all the traditional martial arts. Oh, but this works, this works, this works. And I says, well, okay, would you take your wife and put her in an MMA class? right away and for self-defense. He goes, no. I said, what would you do? Well, I would teach her how to do a palm strike to the nose, and I'm like, exactly. My point made, you have to know traditional martial arts, you know, mm-hmm. first, and then use that as, as a supplement. I, I, I totally agree because, you know, some of these fighters think, you know, that uh, martial arts is just getting in a cage and beating up people and making money and then going home, and that's not what it's about. Sure. Right, exactly. And and for me, I'm always going to be a traditionalist, you know, forever. <laughs> Same here, because if not, I could I could see Frank kicking my butt, you know, from from West Virginia all the way to Seattle. So, because <laughs> uh, Frank, Frank is very very serious about his uh, martial arts, you know, he's. I mean, he's a big goof, but when it comes to his martial arts, there's like it's like he has a switch. He's all seri- serious, you know. He's all yeah. business, but afterwards, 
He, he's yeah. like a big kid. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I um I just wanted to uh, thank you for being on the on my program. And um, before I let you go, Cynthia, I'll have you record me a personal promo, of course. And uh, okay. if you ever have any new um, movies coming out, any seminars, please feel welcome to call me up and say. You know, I want to promote this, or, you know, I want to talk about this. So. Oh, great, great, yeah. Well, if you get a chance, if you can promote, I think we have, like, nine days left on Indiegogo for the perils of Penelope Peacock. So if you get a chance to give that a push for us, we'd appreciate it. Uh, oh, 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 yes. If you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about it before I let you go, you're, you're more than welcome. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, the movie, basically, it's, it's um, a really, really feel-good movie. It's about a woman that is uh, kind of, you know, not feeling good about herself, feels very mousy. She's kind of like, you know, just stays in the house. She doesn't look that great. All she does is think of, you know, taking care of the house and her husband. And then her uh, her niece is like that as well, and she watches her niece quite a bit, and the niece, uh, uh, her, her sister kind of does a lot of traveling, and it doesn't pay as much attention to the kids. So here you have these two kind of misfits, right? And mm-hmm. the aunt dies, and they they recover some books that the aunt had, but they're, none of them are finished. <clears throat> and she goes home, and she... Uh, dreams of finishing the book, right? And it all involves like these incredible fight scenes. Like she's like a, a cowgirl and then a swashbuckler and then she's fighting aliens on another planet, which, you know, to me, I love that. And as the time goes by, she starts getting more confident, her and the niece, and they start transitioning into uh, more confident people, you know, more outgoing, more self-assured, you know, more loving life. There's a lot more to life. You know, and in the end, you know, you have this this transformation between these two people, you know, and I think it it's a good uh, good moral story. You feel good that you know, you know, you can make life to your fullest. You don't have to be in a rut. You know, that's not you know what we're here for. You know, and uh, it's quite different than anything else I've ever done. And I'm looking forward to actually playing like a mousy person, you know, with glasses and very meek and then go through the transformation. You know, to me, that is probably, out of everything I've done, the greatest part, you know, that I I could play. So this is kind of one of those projects that comes from my heart. And when I read the script, you know, I read the script, I I was like, I I love this. I love it, you know. So... um, my, my hope is is that you know we can we can get this uh, project made you know that we get would pull in some big investors uh, you know to, so we could get it like our budget's small we think you know everybody's gonna like do it for like almost nothing uh, because mm-hmm. you know we love it so much and we think you know we could do a really really nice film. It, 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 it's it's very it's very tough when you have a small budget, but it it can be doable, you know, if everybody yeah, works exactly. together. You're, yeah. you're right, exactly. You know, it, it it can be, and now nowadays, you know, um, the woman that's producing it is also a costume designer. You know, so so you know we have a lot of people involved in it that you know love it because of that, and uh, you know that it's a, a good good project. So. Um, 
you know, we're we're all like hoping and praying that you know this this project will will come about. So if anybody, you know, wants to go on to Indiegogo, you know, the the perils of Penelope Peacock. <laughs> so actually go on my Facebook and click on a link too. I think we have like nine days left. So um, I don't know if we'll make our budget, you know, uh, but basically whatever we get, we'll keep that, you know, in a, a kitty and then try to find an investor, you know, for the for the rest of it. So yeah, I I, I wish you luck with that too, and, and you know, please please keep me posted on that because I I do enjoy your films and. Um, my whole family enjoys your films as well. So. Oh, well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> so, but uh, thank you for being on the show. Hi, this is Michelle Manu, host of the Masters Hall of Fame World News. The Masters Hall of Fame looks forward to interviewing Justin Harvey in the spring of 2015.